Hey guys, I'm Evan, and this is what's happening on the hill. If you're new to Shelby Christian, we'd like to invite you to stop and visit our I'm New Wall in the lobby. We'd love to get you a gift and get to know you. We have lots of fun activities coming up on the hill. Check out our website if you're interested in signing up for dance or soccer for this fall. For all our pickleball fans, we have an exciting fundraiser coming up in the next few weeks. Open Gym Glow Pickleball. Check out our website for more details. Father's Love is one of our local Together Partners. They have a ministry in downtown Shelbyville that reaches school-aged families in our community. They'll have a table set up in the lobby this weekend. We'd love for you to stop by and see them and see how you can get signed up to volunteer with their ministry. Don't forget our men's conference is happening September 29th and 30th. Registration is now open and the early bird deadline ends August 27th. This conference will feature special speakers, worship, competitions, and of course, great food. We want all of our young men involved as well, so anyone from ages middle school and older, you're invited to attend. It's going to be a life-changing weekend. Hey, church family, good to see you this morning. As you're getting ready to stand to your feet, we're going to worship the Lord together. Uh, this first song is talking about come Holy Spirit come and when Jesus ascended into heaven he promised that he would bring the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit would be with us until the end of the ages amen let's just invite him into this place feel like clapping your hands this morning put your hands together I'm coming with a heart of song. I'm ready to see the unthinkable. I'm ready for a miracle. Hearts praying for a fresh encounter. Souls are looking to a living God. I'm ready for a real revival. Oh, Holy Spirit. Come like a in this place Oh, can you 
ministry partner that's here today with us to father's love gerald's out there and we want you to stop by at some point as you're leaving church today but that's just one ministry that whenever you plant those seeds those financial seeds into this church we are helping ministries just like that but we got a video we want you to see it when i came to father's love 10 years ago i had an opportunity to walk into one of the classrooms and Ask the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And in that classroom, you could hear a pin drop. There was silence. Not one person was able to tell me what they wanted to be. And so I've grown to love the opportunity that I had have here to be able to stir up the dreams that God has planted in each one of their hearts to help each one of these children to rise above obstacles and to learn how to lead out in our community. At Father's Love, for elementary through high school students, we offer after-school programming. For elementary age students, we have education support, uh, kids' church, and enrichment activities. For our middle schoolers and high schoolers, we have the opportunity to um, tackle some tough topics, tough issues that they're facing in life, and to be able to share with them from a biblical worldview. Every time that a student walks into the doors at Father's Love, we make sure that they have a meal. And many times that's a hot meal. That's why uh, in January 2023, we had an opportunity to take over the Shelby County Backpack Program. And food is important to us, so we wanted to make sure that every child in Shelby County that needed food over the weekend had the opportunity to eat. By the time the school year ended, we served 450 students each week, ensuring that they had access to food over the weekend. So how can you help? There are many opportunities that you can help at Father's Love. 
One of the things that we look for are people who want to connect their passions in their career and skills or hobbies that they have with our children. We have a lot of different volunteer opportunities and if you come out to meet us in the atrium, we'd be happy to share more about how you can help. Well, we have a time uh, that we're going to uh, receive an offering, but we're also going to take communion together. And every week we have a station set up here and on the sides and in the back. And uh, there are some offering boxes right next to our communion tables. So as you're praying and being led by God, you know, what to do, how to be uh, effective in planting those seeds. We're going to actually just take a time. And I want to read a scripture to you. It's in Romans 6. And it's talking about sin is broken because of Jesus. And it says, well then, should we keep going on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you not forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Jesus Christ by baptism. And just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by his glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. In verse 6 it says this, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so that sin may lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin, for we died with Christ and we were set free from the power of sin. We're free. God has made a provision. And that's Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads? Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the blood that was poured out. Living sacrifice. Now, we're free from sin. We're free from death. And God, you promised eternal life forever. We love you. Take this time and use it for your kingdom, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can come.
Jesus in your life. You just shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. God, I'm broken. I've spent my life dishonoring you. Years of turning my back to you. Time and time again, I put myself before you, and yet I have the nerve to act like you owe me something. But I am nothing. Just a speck in the middle of the universe, just a tiny dot that could be wiped away in the blink of an eye, and yet you see me. You see my heart. You see my pain. You see my need for hope, my need for love, my need for a savior. But you alone are king. And I recognize now that I can't do this on my own. I recognize that without you, I am nothing. And I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking for hope. Jesus, I am asking for you to save me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation. Take away my sin and make me like you. Jesus, be my hope, be my joy, be my strength, be my king. The, uh, the movie Rocky Four came out when I was in middle school. And for a middle school boy, uh, it, it might have been the best movie of all time, right? Guys just punching each other in the face. It was awesome. I remember uh, seeing that movie, and if you guys uh, have seen it, you remember that in the movie, Rocky Balboa, the heavyweight champion at this point in his career, is going up against Ivan Drago, the Russian. Six foot five, 260 pounds. He towers over Rocky. Ivan Drago has already killed Apollo Creed, who was Rocky's, who becomes Rocky's best friend. And now Rocky faces Drago. They stand in the middle of the ring, right? And, and they have their gloves out. And it's that thing where you know, they pound each other's gloves before they go to their corner for the first round. And in that moment, Ivan Drago looks at Rocky and he says this famous line I must break you <laughs> right you guys ever felt like life looks at you and says I must break you have you ever been in a season in life where you just feel like life has broken you and now there are pieces and what do we do to pick up the pieces of this life. Where do we turn next? What do we do now? The boss comes in and says, we're going to have to let you go. The doctor comes in and sits down and says, I've got some bad news. Your spouse comes home and says, I'm leaving. I've met someone else. The, the officer calls and says, there's been a terrible accident. What do we do when we feel helpless and broken and shattered and we don't know where to turn? 
What do we do with that? You ever been there? You ever had a season? Maybe you're there right now. You ever been in a, a place in your life with your family and a relationship, just with life in general, and you thought, life, what is going on? God, what is going on in the middle of all of this hopelessness? Here's one of the things I want to let you know about this morning. Hopelessness and, and your brokenness and, and our sin the, the, the reason why we feel the way we do and experience some of the things we experience and some of our circumstances can be um, really dark at times. It, it has nothing to do with what God is causing. It has everything to do with us. I want you guys to look at the, what the uh, prophet Isaiah said. Look at this passage of scripture. He says this in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. He says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. What's he say? It's your sin. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Here's what I need you to understand this morning, is that we live in a broken, fallen world. And that is not, that was not God's intention. God did not intend for us to live this way. It's, it's because of sin. It's the consequences of sin. Either our sins... A lot of times when you look at the things that you're dealing with, you can say, well, yeah, if we're really honest with ourselves, I caused these things to happen. I, my choices find me here, right? Or it's the decisions of other people. And you're just the one who has to reap from those consequences, right? Sin is the culprit. And so when we look at our lives, when we look at what we're dealing with, the the way that we may feel broken, we have to understand where that comes from. We also have to understand that there is, in the middle of whatever it is we may be going through, that there is hope. We're in the middle of of this series, we're in week two of of these three remain. And we're talking, Dave talked to us last week about faith. Next week, uh, Bobby's going to talk to us about love. This week, we're we're talking about hope. And what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, he, he said, he said, there are three things that you really need to hold on to. There was this debate among philosophers and religious types and, 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 and leaders. What are, the, what are the most virtuous things in life? What are the, and, and Paul comes along and he writes this letter. And he says, hey, here are the three things. Faith, hope, and love. Hold on to those things. When, when everything else seems to be kind of falling to the side, hold on to faith, hold on to hope, and hold on to love. And so we're going to look this morning at hope. Hope when it seems... Like, it's hopeless. There was an um, uh, experiment done several years ago uh, at uh, Harvard University by uh, a professor named Curtis uh, Richter. He did this um, experiment with some rats. And what he did was, he took a group of rats and he took a container of water and, and he had two containers and two sets of rats. And the first set of rats, he would take them and he would put them, put a rat in the container of water to see how long it would swim before it started to sink. And he concluded that about 15 minutes, that rat would swim and swim and swim in that container of water for about 15 minutes and then it would give up. He took a second container and he put a a rat in there and, and the rat would swim for a couple of minutes And then he would take the rat out and set it aside and let it kind of get its breath 
Get it, get, get kind of a second wind. And then he would put it back in the container. And he did this with, with, with several times with, with the second group of wraps. And here's what, what he concluded in this experiment. After 60 hours, that second group of rats were still swimming. They would, they would put them in, take them out. Put them in, take them out. Put them in, take them out. And he concluded in his survey, he said the, the, the rats in that second group never stopped swimming because of the hope of rescue. Here's this quote. Look at this quote. He said this, after the elimination of hopelessness, the rats do not die. Right? And so there was this understanding that, that these rats, they, 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 got to, they got this, they were conditioned to go, hey, we're going to, there's, there's, there's someone coming. There's, there's, there's hope coming. There's a rescuer coming. And so they would keep swimming and keep swimming and keep swimming for over 60 hours. The first group, after about 15 minutes, when no one came, they just sank. And, and so for us, what we understand is that we need something to hold on to. Some kind of a hope in something that's better than this world. How many days have you gotten up and dealt with whatever it is you've had to deal with and, 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 and said and thought, God, I hope it gets better than this, right? I hope, I hope there's something better than this on the other side because this, this is tough. This, this stinks. And so there, there needs to be this reason for hope. And, and, and what we also understand is there, needs, there has to be a reason for hope that is outside of ourselves. Because if we're left to our own, right, we, we fail. We fall. If it's just left up to us, it, we're, we are hopeless. And so then the gospel comes along. And Jesus comes along. And what he says to us is that I've come to eliminate hopelessness. I have come to give you hope. We're going to be looking at John chapter 14, 15, and 16, around there this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, got your phones, go there. We're going to also be at the end of John chapter, uh, uh, John chapter 21 here in a few minutes. But Jesus, in this um, part of the Jesus story, he's telling his disciples about a lot of stuff that's about to happen. He's explaining to them, trying to explain to them in ways that they can understand what's about to happen to him, what they're going to see and experience with the crucifixion, with the things that are going to lead up to that. And he's saying, hey, it's going to get really difficult. It's going to get really hard. It's going to, you're not going to understand, you're going to be broken and it's going to seem hopeless, but I want you to, I want you to hold on to something. And so he says, hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to do something here that you're not going to completely understand. But know that, that the Holy Spirit will be with you. My spirit will be with you as a comforter and an advocate to reveal truth to you, to help you along the way. And so he's telling the disciples all of these things, and they don't really understand most of them. And, and he's, he's trying to explain it to them because they're about to see things and experience things like they can never imagine. And then he says this in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 33. He says this. He says, I've told you all these things so that it me, in me you may have peace. Have you ever just thought, man, if I could just get a little peace in my life? All right, if I could just take a deep breath and have some peace, right? The elimination of worry 
and anxiety and stress and all the things that it seems like this world piles upon us. And Jesus comes along and he says, I've got something really important to tell you. If you'll just pay attention here. This is, this is going to get really hard. But I want you to pay attention because I want to give you some peace. And he says this, in this world, now this doesn't make sense. It's kind of like, a, well, he says, I want you to have peace. But then he says, in this world, <laughs> what? You're going to have trouble. It's like, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And so in, in the middle of this, here's what Jesus is doing. You think about it, there's some kindness here. He's preparing them for trouble that's coming. And so he doesn't want them to be caught off guard. He wants them to know that he sees this coming. He knows what's about to happen. And he's, he's, he's already got it all worked out. Just have some peace because trouble is coming. In this world, right? In this world, you will have trouble. Anybody ever had trouble? Right? Like you're like, I would just like a day without some trouble, right? If you're over people or if, if there's like, if you, even if you're at home or like at work or whatever, you know, and you see people coming into your office or coming into the room or they, they call you on the phone, like a lot of times, like when you're at work and somebody, and you, you know, you have a conversation, you're like, I don't want to do this because you know, it's probably going to be a bad, a bad conversation. And I got to deal with this. I got to deal with that. Right. And so there are all these things your, your wife sits down and says, we need to talk. You're like, oh, this can't be good right? <laughs> the principal from the school calls. Oh, this can't be good. <laughs> like, right? And so in this world, we, we will have troubles. There will be things. There will be times where it's just like, I just want to go home and get in bed and pull the covers over my head and pretend like none of it exists. Jesus says, you're going to have troubles. He says, uh, another version of this NIV says, here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows right? You will have many trials. There will, there will be sorrowful time. You will lose people. You will be sad. Relationships will be broken, right? There will be things that happen in this world that will break your heart. And Jesus says, have peace. He says, they're, they're coming, and I want you to, to understand. He looks at his disciples, and he looks at us, and he says, understand, these things are coming. And, and so, in the middle of that, in the middle of that, there's this second part. It's the second part of John sixteen thirty three. He says this. But take heart. It literally translated, but be of great courage. Jesus says, in the middle of whatever it is you're going through, that we're going through, and he says to his disciples, all right, I want you guys to understand, you're going to have to be of great courage because you're going to see some things and you're going to experience some things and it's going to get really bad. And in the middle of that, you're going to have to take a step forward. In the middle of whatever it is you're dealing with, it's going it's it's to be really hard. But don't run from it. Step into it, right? Step into that adversity. Step into that fear. Step into that brokenness. Step into whatever it is you're dealing with. Take heart. Be of great courage, Jesus says. And so in the middle of that, we would say, well, how can we do that? How can we do that? And when this is so hard, when this is so difficult, when this is something that we don't understand and it breaks us, what, what are we supposed to do, Jesus? And Jesus says, this is not about you. 
This is not about you. Look at this next thing. He says, but uh, take heart because I, I have overcome the world, Jesus says. He says, I, he looks at his disciples and he says, you're going to need to remember this. You're going to stand at the foot of the cross. You're, you're gonna, some of you are going are to weep and you're going to see me on that cross. And you're going to see the blood and the pain and the death. And you're going to think that it's over. Be of great courage because I have overcome the world. You're going you're to stand outside that tomb and it's going to be sealed and, and, and you, my body's going to be in there for a short time, but you're going to think it's over. Remember this. I have overcome the world. And for you and for me, whatever it is that you have to deal with. Maybe you got something coming up in the next few days. You've got a doctor's appointment and you don't know what the doctor's going to tell you, right? And you walk in there and you sit down. Who knows? And and there's this reminder. Jesus, whatever this world throws at me, you have overcome it all. This this phrase, this, this statement, this promise is the foundation. This is the foundation of the gospel because if he did not overcome, if he did not overcome it all, then this is all for naught. All right, what's the point of this? And so Jesus says, you have to remember because I have overcome the world. Now this word overcome, it's a fascinating word. Look look at this next thing. Here's what that word uh, in the Greek is. It's nenikeka. Nenikeka. Do you guys notice uh, a word there in the middle of that? You see that? Nike. You know what Nike means? Nike means victory. So when the the people that were, uh, you know, when um, Phil, Phil Knight created Nike, he went to the Greek word, victory and he said that's a great phrase it's a great word to build a shoe company on and so nike the word it's a it's a greek word that means victory and 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 nike it means victory in the moment right but but here's nenikeka nike means victory but then the next one look at this next one nenikeka means this it means always victorious and so what jesus does is he uses this word when he looks at the disciples and he says, Ninikeka. He, he says, I have overcome the world. Once and for all. You know what Jesus says when he makes that statement? When he says, I have overcome. Look, look at what he says. Jesus says this. He says, I always win. I always win. He looks at his disciples and he says, this is going to be hard. This is going to be really hard. You guys, I'm sure in that moment, he, his, his heart broke for them because they were going to be so confused and they were going to understand and, and they, were going to, they were going to run, right? And they were going to deny him and they were going to scatter like those rats all over the place. And Jesus says, guys, be of great courage. Take heart. Remember, you're going to see it played out right in front of you. We have the, the perspective of now looking back and seeing how this all played out. You got to remember, they're in the middle of that and they don't, they're looking at this going, I don't know, Jesus, this is getting pretty crazy, right? And Jesus says, remember Nenekeke, I always win. I, I hate to lose. I hate it. 
I hate to lose so bad that a lot of times I won't even participate because I can't stand losing, right? I'm just like, I'm either all in or I'm all out. I'm kind of one of those people. If there's a chance that I'm going to do something that I'm not going to win at, I'm I'm going to show myself (laughs) in the middle of that. And so I just kind of take a step back and and, and remove myself from that. I remember when I was in in high school, maybe in college, we were working a a week at church camp and we were out playing basketball at at Camp Calvary uh, with some middle school kids. And I blocked a, a shot. Now, look, I mean, but it was a middle school girl. I blocked her shot. <laughs> I blocked her shot and it hit her in the face and her nose bled. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to stay in youth ministry, I probably need to stay away from situations like this. And so I said, all right, from here on forward, if there's any kind of really competitive situations, I'm just going to remove myself from those, right? Because I hate to lose. I don't care who it is or what it is. I hate to lose. And so when Jesus comes along and says, hey, if you're with me, you always win. I'm like, all right, let's ride, Jesus. I'm, I'm down with that, right? And so Jesus comes along with these disciples, and he says, I always win. His disciples were going to need to remember these words when he was crucified. He defeated death once and for all. He defeated the power of sin. He defeated darkness and trouble. And so there's this hope, right? There's this hope of the resurrection in light of the darkness. There's this hope of the resurrection that says anything this side of heaven will not prevail. There's this hope that, that if, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true, if he defeated death, then that's all that matters. Amen. That's all that matters. But if he didn't, then nothing really matters, right? If he did, that's all that matters. We can live in that. We, we follow a savior and a God and a Lord that says, you hang with me. You stick with me. It's, it's going to be all right. Now, the circumstances, the things that you have to deal with in this world, they're going to stink. But understand, see the big picture. Understand that I have overcome the world, right? He said, I've overcome it all. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through. And so a lot of times, what do we do? We get such tunnel vision. And we think that what, what we're going through or what our kids are going through or, or what our loved ones are going through, they're like, this is the most important thing in the world, right? At school, at work, in the community, in church, whatever. But sometimes we'll just step back and we'll be reminded that whatever these circumstances are, they're just for a moment. They're just temporary. Whatever you're going through right now, it is just Temporary. It is just him. And so Jesus comes along and says, I have overcome the world. I always win. The hope of the resurrection. It doesn't necessarily mean our earthly circumstances get better, but it gives us this opportunity, right? It gives us this opportunity to walk in peace and to walk in joy, to take a breath and go, you know what? All right, whatever this world throws at me, we'll get through it. I have a peace I have a heart that's connected to a savior who defeated death. Now that is hope in the middle of whatever we're going through. Look at Hebrews 6, 19, it says this. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. In the middle of the tossing and turning and the tumultuous ways of our, our, our world, right? And like when nothing seems to be secure and firm and there's very little that we can count on, the gospel comes along and says, we have this hope 
as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Do you need something secure? Do you need something that you can put your security in, something that you can hold on to in the middle of the storms, right? We need that. And so the gospel comes along and it says that, it says that we can have this, the hope of the resurrection. It doesn't fix our circumstances. There's going to be pain. There's going to be difficulty. The hope of the resurrection reminds us that there is something bigger than ourselves to hold on to. The hope of the resurrection reminds us of a savior who has secured your future and he's secured my future. Look at this. God's love. God's love isn't defined by our circumstances or the things that that happen to us. There are things that happen, just happen, right? And there's no answer for it. There's really no, like, we can't explain it. Why would that happen? Well, the, the ultimate reason why those things happen, those horrible things, is because we live in a fallen world that's broken. Right, Dave mentions this all the time. We live in a Genesis 3 world, right? We were good for about two chapters and then it all went to hell, literally, right? And so our circumstances are gonna be tough and they're gonna seem hopeless. But our circumstances don't define his love. God's love is defined by what he has done for us. And so you, you think about the things that you're going through and understand they're only temporary, they're only circumstances for, for a moment, for a season. But we need to be reminded of, of this hope, this hope that lasts for eternity. If anyone, if anyone in, in the gospel understood this, understood what it looked like to be loved by a Jesus who showed grace and mercy and forgiveness in the middle of everything that they were going through. It was, it was the apostle Peter. I love Peter, right? Peter's one of those guys who he was, he, he wore his emotions on his sleeve. He would say things before he really thought about them. I can relate because I do that sometimes, right? He was, he would jump before he knew where he was going to land, right? He was this guy who was always ready to go. He was the guy for three years, for three and a half years, he's by, like, whatever Jesus is laying down, Peter's picking it up, okay? He's like, I'm with you, Jesus. Let's go. Let's row. I'm your dude. And he was one of Jesus' closest his friends, right? And they get to the end of, 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 of this uh, Jesus' ministry here on earth when he's going to the cross and going to the tomb and going to defeat death and do all these incredible things that we talk about in the gospel. And, and, and before he does that, he has this conversation with Peter. He says, Peter, I need you to understand that you're going you're gonna to deny me. You're going to deny that you even know me. You're going to deny that we're friends, that we're close. You're going you're gonna to turn your back. And Peter's like, I'm not going to do that. I would never do that to you, Jesus. You're my guy. I've got your back. I'm here until the end. And Jesus says, well, actually not. <laughs> you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna deny me three times. And, and then as Jesus is being put on trial and heading to the cross, all these people are gathering around and they're looking at Peter and they're going, hey, I know you. You've been hanging out with that guy for like, like you travel with him. You're, you're one of his best friends, right? No, don't know the guy. Never heard of him. Who? Right? And three different occasions, Peter denies him before the next morning. And, and so if you're Peter, right? And you've seen all this take place. 
You've seen Jesus go to the cross. You've seen him take him down, put him in this tomb. And now this tomb's empty and there's this room, there's rumors and like there's these appearance, Jesus is appearing to the disciples again after his resurrection. And, and, and all these things are happening. And, and, and here's Peter still like in his like, I cannot believe what I did. Jesus told me exactly what I was going to do and, and I did it. And, and Peter has to be, he has to be distraught. He, he has to be broken. He has to feel like, what, 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 what is going on? Why? Because he had to think when he saw Jesus going to that cross and being put in that tomb, Peter had to think, this is a wrap, right? This is over. The Messiah doesn't die, right? And so all these things are happening. I've denied him, and now he's, he's dead, and, and, and now there's, a, there's some things that happen in the end of John chapter 21, and he starts, he's, Jesus is back, and he's starting to appear to different people. And, and there's, this, there's this poignant, well, there's this beautiful moment at the end of John chapter 21, where, where Peter and some of his, his friends, some of his disciples, they're out, uh, they, they decided to go fishing, because that's what they did before Jesus, right? As they were fishermen. And, and, and I thought about the, that this week, uh, Peter's out fishing. And you know, sometimes when you're just, when you need peace, where, where do you go? You probably go to your happy place. And I bet for Peter out on that boat on the Sea of Galilee, just fishing is kind of like his happy place. I'm just going to go out here because he's broken and, and he doesn't know where to turn to next. And so he's just fishing and they don't have any luck. John says that they're not, not having any luck and it's, it's morning and they're about ready to head back to the shore there at the Sea of Galilee. And they look to the shore. They look to the shore and they see a man standing there. They see a fire. And, and, and they had this conversation with the man. And then they realized, some of the other disciples, they realized that this is Jesus. And Peter, Peter, he jumps out of the boat and he starts to swim to shore to Jesus because he's standing there, right there on the shore. And, and there's this moment. I don't know exactly how it plays out, right? Jesus has prepared breakfast for them and so they have breakfast. But I can, imagine, I can imagine, you know, when you need to talk to someone but you don't really, you know, you have to talk to them but you don't really want to and you know, like you feel it, you're just, you're, you're hurt and you're, you're embarrassed. And I just kind of, I just kind of, uh, Peter's just like, he doesn't want to make eye contact. And he's kind of like, he knows what he's done, Right? And Jesus comes up and he puts his arm around him. And he says, Peter, do you love me? It's like, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And so they have this conversation three times. Peter, do you love me? And then Peter's like, yeah, of course I love you, Jesus. And he's like, no, no, all right, well, then you go, you, go and, you go and take care of the rest of this. You go and feed my sheep. You're, you're the God now. And so in, in this moment, right, Jesus restores Peter. He restores this relationship and he brings hope back to Peter because Peter thought it was over. He thought, I, I, Jesus is, is appearing, he's appearing again and, and I have these questions and I, and I don't know what to do next and, I, and I've denied him and he's probably really ticked at me, right? And Jesus comes and he, he says, Peter, I love you. I know you love me. Now let's go. And it's that Peter that writes these words. Look at this. This is First Peter chapter 1 verse 13 he says this therefore this is Peter he says with minds that are alert and fully sober sober set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming 
Peter says, set your hope. Set your hope on this understanding that Jesus is coming back. Jesus will be back. And, and, and he says, he, he's, I'm sure he's reminded of Nenekeka. When it looked like all was lost, I always win. And Peter writes these words and he says, set your hope on this fact that Jesus always wins and he's coming back for us. And so here's my question for you this morning as we close. What is your hope set on? What have you set your hope on in this world? Have you set it on your own abilities, your, your own opportunities, your own just whatever you can do to make life, life for you? Have you put it on, on yourself to, to create this life for you and your family? And you've set your hope in a beautiful home and a beautiful car and a great career and a wonderful neighborhood and the best schools for your kids. And you do all these things and we do all these things. And we're like, this is what this is. Have you ever, have you ever gotten to the end of something that you thought was gonna be the thing Right? And if I could just get that, if I could get that job, if I could, if I could move to that town, if I, could, if, I could just, if I could just catch her eye and if she would just become mine, like she's the one, right? he's the one. If I can just attain that thing, that object, it's all going to be okay. I've seen uh, interviews and stories. I'll, I'll, you know, I watch all these, I love to watch sports stories and like just about people's lives and, and sports and like athletes, and those kind of things. And you'll see these stories about athletes who get to the highest level, right? Professional athlete, football or basketball or whatever. And they'll, they'll get there and they'll make millions and millions of dollars. They got enough money for their kids and grandkids and everybody else for, for generations to be okay, right? To live off of. And they get to the end of this career and they have all the, this big pile of money and they'll look in the camera and they'll go I thought that was going to fulfill me but I'm still empty all right there's still this emptiness you ever chased whatever it was you were chasing and got to it got it right you had it and then after a little while you realized this is not exactly what I was hoping for because it was empty and so what are you setting your hope on maybe Maybe there's a better question. Maybe the question is this. Who is your hope set on? Right? Who, who, are, who is it set on? Is it set on you? Is it set on the things that you can do and you can accomplish? Or is it set on the one who comes? Right? And he stares death in the face. And he says, get in here. Get in here close. I need you guys to understand something. I never lose. I always win. And so if you want to put your hope in something, if you want to put your hope in someone, let me suggest to you that you put it in the one who conquers all, who has overcome this world. And so the, the apostle Paul comes and he says, there are three things that, that remain. Faith, hope, and love. Hold on to those things. This morning, my encouragement to you is hold on to that hope. Hold on to the one 
The only thing that matters, the resurrection, the hope of that, if it is true, and I believe it's true with all my heart, then it's all that matters. But if it's not true, then nothing really matters. And Jesus comes along and he says, I have one. Nani Kekka. And so can you. So can you. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, I thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to gather in this place, to sing songs to you, to share communion together as a family, to read your word and be reminded of your promises. What, what you've done for us in, in spite of us you have overcome all of it and, and so God my prayer this morning if there is a person that sits here today that's feeling broken that, that, that finds themselves in what seems to be a, a hopeless situation that, that needs comfort that needs grace and mercy God, we know that you're a a God that stands there on the shore. You want to wrap your arms around us. You want to to remind us about how much you love us. And so, God, my prayer today is that if if there's a soul, if there's a person in this room that does not have the hope of the resurrection, that does not have the hope of understanding that one day Jesus is coming back. Peter believed it with all of his soul that Jesus would come back. He knew what he'd already done and he knew what he was going to do again. And so can we. God, we're, we're, we're hanging on to that. We're banking on that. In the middle of, of, of this broken world, it's all we have. God, thank you for never Never going back on your word. Always fulfilling your promises. And when you say you've overcome and when you say you always win, we believe it. We believe it with everything that we have. So God, may we, as we leave this place today, the rest of us, may we go out into the streets of this community and share that hope with people who are hopeless. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing this last song. If you uh, want to pray with someone or talk to someone about maybe something's going on in your heart, Dave's over at the decision room, so other folks will be over there. They'd love to connect with you. Uh, let's, let's sing this last song.
one, one last thing. Go out there and check out my friends, our friends with Father's Love. Those guys are doing, they're, they're doing the real, they're doing some real ministry right here in Shelbyville with some families and some kids. It's so important and they need some help uh, this fall. And so if you could help them in a few different ways where you can serve here locally, they're one of our together partners and, and Gerald and Michelle, uh, they're doing some great stuff in their team. So go out there and check those guys out before you guys uh, leave today. Hey, let's get out of here and let's go love God and love people and watch them change the world. See you guys.